I even contemplated like for extreme. I was like, man, I could just go out a girlfriend for ten years. <laughs> Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. But before we dig into today's guest, let's check in with my awesome co-host, Justin. What's up, man? Well, uh, sometimes I'll say, not much, Cody, but it's been a ton <laughs> lately. Uh, you know, part of the reason why people didn't get an episode from us last week, it's just been a little crazy for me, just moving you know, all the way across the country from Boston down to Austin into a tiny little place is 375 square feet had to move every one of mine and leslie's possessions and you know so much stuff just ended up having to go even after we got here so tons of purging trying to figure out how to organize in such a tiny space and then the place was also pretty rough straight out of the 70s and took a a lot of renovations but luckily we're we're getting a foothold there work has also been crazy on top of all that but that's mostly what i've been doing uh, the one bright spot though is my little phone booth which maybe i can post some photos in the Facebook group, but imagine like a 1960s all steel phone booth that I've completely renovated with a 29 inch like widescreen monitor, microphone, webcam, ventilation fans, hardwood floor, lighting. Like it's going to be my little work from home and podcast booth because when you're in a space that tiny, you got to have somewhere you can jump in for a little bit of privacy for video calls and things like that. How about you, Cody? Yeah, dude, I saw pictures of that phone booth. You'll definitely have to drop it in the Facebook group because that thing looks like a hunk of crap and now it looks awesome. So I know you've been doing a bunch of DIY projects like that and I'm going to start doing some DIY projects soon because like I was just mentioning to you, Justin, before we started recording here is I'm going to be moving this week down to that three family that I bought. Finally, I'm going to get the keys today and I'll be moving down because it's getting a little too cold to live in the lake house. I know up in Massachusetts, some of these nights are like 44, 45 this week, so that's not looking too hot for Cody getting out of the shower and being freezing and waking up and being freezing. So we're going to have to make that move. Also, some exciting news is that another property popped up. So I've been on a little real estate kick, not going to lie. We had James and Emily Lowry staying with us. They came up, drove up from Alabama because they wanted to visit during the last few weeks of summer while it was still nice. We were talking real estate a bunch. And so I've been looking hardcore every day and a place popped up in my hometown, a duplex in my hometown, we put an offer and it literally got accepted this past weekend. So still going to go through the full process with like the inspection, making sure all the financing is clear and good and all that stuff. But really hoping that's going to close like end of October. And then so I can move from Connecticut back up (laughs) to my hometown in Massachusetts a couple months later. So I know a lot of moving pieces here, but I'm really excited about it. I know we're going to drop an episode talking about just life updates because we have been crazy busy, Justin. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, but let's not babble on too much about me and you. Let's take a quick moment for our sponsor. Every small business has unique needs. And despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. Their state-of-the-art software makes it super simple to analyze and compare different candidates. LinkedIn has an active community of more than 690 million professional members worldwide. So what LinkedIn Jobs does is of that huge community, it actually goes and finds those candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for. And it puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash show. Again, that's linkedin.com slash show to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So today on The Fi Show, we have Jerry Brown, author of the Peerless Money Mentor blog. And this guy grew up in the ghetto, but he didn't even know he had it that bad until he started to get older, expand his worldview and realize, whoa, I'm coming from this place where Fi isn't even something that people are considering. Most people are just figuring out where they're going to get their next meal or how they can pay rent or all of these really basic needs. Fi is just so far out of the picture. We go through Jerry's journey of making a bunch of money mistakes using a bunch of really cool tricks to get out of debt, side hustling, Jerry has done it all. And then we talk about mindset, which just comes up so much, crushing limiting beliefs and expanding what you think is possible. But I don't want to take away all of Jerry's thunder. Take it away, Jerry. 
kind of wasn't aware of the fact we were on the poor end. We didn't have that money talk, but I just noticed that in certain things that we didn't have, my mom was on assistance, like government assistance. We had food stamps and we had the the government cheese and all that. And it was it wasn't really as tough growing up in that environment because my dad he was always around, but it was still like people getting it was a, a violent like people like my dad got into it with some people in the neighborhood and they got they jumped on them. That was kind of just crazy. And uh, I think I t- told in a story that we didn't have like in the middle of we it was supposed to be like a pool there, but it was just a hole filled with dirt. And my mom, she was like the candy lady. She was selling like Dixie cups and she sold uh, candy and like pig lips and stuff that was nasty stuff that I didn't eat like that. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, eventually, like one time, like uh, we had a break, several break-ins in, in our home. Like somebody stole, stole my Sega Genesis. I think I mentioned that in the article. And they stole stole our TV, our television, and it was just it was just kind of crazy. But I wasn't like in the beginning, I wasn't really aware. As I as we moved on, as and we moved to another spot, I was kind of like um, became more aware of my surroundings, us, and like became more aware of, like the things I didn't have as far as when I went to school. And some I tell tell people where I lived, and they were like, "You're proud of that man." He's like, "How would you be proud of your that environment? You trying to get trying to escape that or whatever." So growing up in that kind of environment and, you know, maybe not being surrounded by a ton of opportunity or seeing a lot of successful people to kind of picture yourself in their shoes, what did you imagine life would be like for you when you grew up? Like what kind of monetary status did you think was reasonable to attain? Well, to to escape, I just thought my opportunities were I could just play basketball or I can uh, start rapping. (laughs) And I, th- I thought I would just be, you know, I just financial freedom. You know, that was the last thing I, I couldn't. That was like, like an impossible goal. I didn't, I didn't think I could reach fi- financial freedom. But I thought, thought because my mom, she always instilled in me, education is the way. Like even like in elementary school, like I was, I was about to fail kindergarten, and she was teaching me. So she beat me. It was like, yeah, you gotta, you're gonna have to learn these, and you're gonna have to learn these words. You got to. She, she maybe she forced me to read articles, and summarize the articles. And if I got th- something wrong, then she would just like, you know, spank me or something. <laughs> so she always taught me to like, yeah, you're gonna. It was always a given that I, at the same time I was gonna go to college and, you know, get my education. And that would be the the way out. But I, I didn't. I, I before I did. I didn't know that you know people could achieve like like financial freedom and stuff. I didn't never thought that was a, a possible for me or whatever. Yeah, one of the quotes I actually ripped here from one of your articles, it says, when you're growing up in the ghetto, Phi seems like a pipe dream. For most people living there, the primary goal is to escape this environment and never look back. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that quote and if that's still the same way you feel now, if you never want to go back and kind of help out, which I know is untrue. I just love that yeah. you can kind of talk to that quote. I don't know if y'all probably know about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. And you're just trying to like survive, and like you, if you're trying to get your like the, you're just trying to survive in an environment. So you're not worried about most people. They're not worried about you know, they like self actualization. You're not trying to reach that. You're just trying to survive the day to day mentality, and you're just trying to you know whether it's because if you have like you're dealing with the criminal activity on one end. And you're dealing with like the lack of or perceived lack of opportunities. Uh, on the other hand, at the end of the day, you're just trying to like get by, and you're not trying to like you know, achieve like that. Just seems like a, so, so far like a head pipe dream because you don't because you you just don't think you can you can do something like that because you probably don't you know nobody's around you and it's an environment that has actually you know achieved financial independence, and they're just trying to be like okay, the the best I could do is you know like it's try to escape and and that's the goal and financial independence is nowhere nowhere in your head because you're like yeah i'm just trying to escape this environment just to you know get somewhere where there's low crime and and you you have a your kids don't have to worry about you know coming in before the the street lights come on and so when you're in that environment you're just thinking about okay how do i get out and now as you look back on it a little bit do you think that there is something to be said about like 
your opportunities actually being lower? Because I know you said perceived opportunities, but your your actual opportunities being less than someone who maybe came from a middle-class background or something like that. And I ask that because a lot of times there's this ongoing debate between one camp who feels like, hey, it's all about work ethic, the bootstrap mentality, like anybody can make it if you just work. And then there's some people who say, no, like, you know, it is actually harder for someone and not just harder, but sometimes almost impossible for them to be successful because of the background they came from. And I'm just curious as somebody who was actually in that, you know, not just somebody looking from the outside trying to do, you know, numerical studies. What is your opinion on that kind of discussion around it's all just by your bootstraps, work ethic versus no, I'm actually at a disadvantage? Yeah, I think it's actually a, a mixture of, of both because like when you're in, the, in that environment, like, for example, if you don't have I was blessed to have uh, family members that, you know, I saw I think kind of saw an opportunity, a way out because I had like these grandparents and stuff and they were they weren't in that environment. They were like actually doing well for themselves. And my grandfather, he was the uh, chief of uh, this small town, St. Gabriel, Louisiana, down here. So I kind of saw that it, it was actually like possible for me to do this, but I was kind of stuck in this environment. But for I think for those who are in that environment and don't have a support supportive network that I had, it's kind of hard to, you know, to see other opportunities, but see beyond, you know, your current living environments and see that you can actually do better. So I, I think I had a few an advantage in myself that I had a few role models to look to. And, and be like, oh, I could I, I don't have to be like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to, you know, resort to crime or I don't have to like lower. I don't have to lower my standards and just to survive. So I, I, I saw that it was possible. There were other ways or other opportunities that were out there for me. It was just kind of I was stuck in an environment. As, whereas if you had like people that, you know, they was, didn't have a father, they, they father didn't come around. And so I think they would be like at a at a disadvantage because they weren't they aren't they don't have anybody honestly to show them other other ways of living beyond the um, beyond their current situation. But I was blessed to have even though I was living in an environment, I had a father figure who was like who who was telling me at the same time he was like uh, you got to learn how to save save your money and do all these other things and showing me books to read and. And making sure that I was doing my homework and things of that nature, and he it's like, and when I was when I started going down a path of you know I wanna, I, I wanna I was writing rhymes about you know bringing bodily harm to other people in the community. He uh, and when he found them, he actually ripped them up, and it was like, no, you, you're not gonna do this. So as far as so I think I had that kind of I, even though I was in that environment, I had advantages myself. But I saw that other people that didn't have that their home that their whatever that their mom wasn't you know working or they they weren't or their dad wasn't in their lives then I think that that's a big disadvantage if you don't have that network in your life. So Jerry, I know it sounds like you had a lot of awesome role models, but from some of the info and research I've been doing, it looks like you still did make some financial mistakes. I'd love if you yeah. could kind of highlight <laughs> some of those mistakes, and then the second part of that question is. I know you have a whole series on broke to financially woke where you showcase and highlight people who have gone from broke to starting to get a handle on their own personal finances. So could you first talk about those first couple of mistakes? And then could you talk about when you had a realization like, whoa, Jerry, like maybe you shouldn't be doing all this stuff. Maybe you should start to really get a handle on your personal finances. After I graduated college, I made a that's when I started making a bunch of silly mistakes. And the first mistake was thinking that I was invincible and I didn't need health insurance. <laughs> so when I first got out of there, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I was like, you know, I'm 21, 22. Now I don't need health insurance. So that was my first mistake. And that was one of led me, one of the reasons mistakes that led me to, to get a, a crew like credit, start getting credit card debt. And so I, I went to the dentist and I had to put like a $2,000 here on a credit, on a care credit card. I don't know if you, you guys are familiar with the medical care credit card. And I just had to do that, and I moved out the house, and I moved in with my girlfriend at the time, and we just I just started putting crazy stuff on the credit card. I put like a, a television, I was financing that, and then I got the idea to to buy a brand new car that was I think my salary at the time was like twenty 
$22,000, and I bought a car that was like $22,000. So that was kind of a silly mistake. I was like, when I graduated, I was like, I have... I have two degrees, and but I, at the time I did, I was like in the middle of the Great Recession. I couldn't find a, a job, so I mean I, I couldn't find a job that you know paid paid me what I thought was worth, like what a college student should make, because you know at the time they were like forty thousand dollars, and I was making like twenty thousand dollars, and I was like, well, I deserve this. Eventually, my salary is gonna grow. That's that was my thinking at the time, and my car that I did have, it was breaking down on me so i was like oh, i'm just gonna buy a new new car and just buy it. it limited my cash flow and at the time i was i was actually growing an emergency fund before i bought this car but all my money started going towards it was like 400 dollars in my paychecks just going to my car and then when things started like other bills started piling up and i couldn't you know i couldn't keep up because i was paying all this money towards the car and so, Jerry, that sounds like those were some of those mistakes you were making. And I just kind of wanted to piggyback off what Cody was saying is, you know, after you had those mistakes for a certain period of time, it seems like at some point it just hits you like, hey, I can't keep doing this. And you start making some changes. So what was that moment and what were some of those changes you started to make? OK, so the pivotal moment, to, I guess, kind of backtrack. So I mentioned that I lived with my girlfriend at the time and we got engaged and things didn't go well. So one day I came home and I, she had her bags packed, man. It was like a tough moment. She had her bags packed and I, she was like, um, I'm just going to move move to Houston with my mom. And at that moment, I was like, I was thinking to myself, so what I'm going to do? She was like, so what are you going to Because at three months, the lease was going to expire on our apartment. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I can't, I can't even afford this by myself. So, <laughs> yeah, I felt very embarrassing, and that, that, and that was like the, kind of like the wake up call. I need to do something. I need to find, do something like to get back on track. Because before I had, I had, I had read all this the books and stuff. I think I had read Dave Ramsey's uh, book, Total Money Makeover, but I just didn't apply the the knowledge in the in in a book and that kind of caught me and I was like putting myself in a position. So that's when I kind of like, uh, I started researching more and just started looking for ways to get out of debt. And my friends, they kind of mentioned like, yo, you can probably refinance your debt. And it was just mentioning ways to me. And, but that, that moment, that was a really embarrassing moment. Then my mom, she offered, she had a house and my brother stayed in the house and she offered, he's like, yeah, you can just move in with your brother. And I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I had, I, I was like, I was, I'm just gonna live out of my car. I, I, I just, cause I felt embarrassed at the time. I'm like, man, I got college degrees and stuff, and here I am. And I, I'm, I can't even afford my own apartment by myself. So it's kind of like the wake up call. It's like, it was, it's terribly embarrassing. <laughs> so I was, I just felt, I just felt crushed. I was like, oh man. And something you mentioned quick there, Jerry, was about refinancing debt. And I know you have two methods that have worked for you. Could you talk about that on a more tactical level? Because I'm sure, obviously, everyone here is on their own path to financial independence, but people do make mistakes. People do end up racking up credit card debt or whatever other miscellaneous debts they may have. Could you talk a bit about those strategies? Okay. So, uh, yeah, at the time, my credit card debt, I think the interest rate on them was uh, average interest rate was like 20, 25%. Ooh, <laughs> and, and I was like, man, I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, I'm never gonna pay these things off. <laughs> it's like it take me ten years if I keep paying like the the minimum balance or whatever. And it takes me like ten years. And I was like, I had good credit, even though like I put these things on credit. And I, I never I always I never made a missed payment or whatever. So at the time, I had like a seven hundred something score. And so my first my first move was to call the the credit card companies. And I was like, so can y'all lower my interest rate? And they were like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> and so from there, I think one of my friends mentioned that you could probably refinance it by taking out a, a personal loan. And so that was one that's one of the methods. The first methods I used was I went to I took out a personal loan with my a credit union, and I took out a personal loan. I think it's called Lending Club. Yeah, I took a personal loan with them. From there, I was able to get a better interest rate. It was like, I think the APR on it was like 5%. So instead of, you know, having that 10-year time period where I'm paying off all these credit cards because the interest rate, and I'm like, my payments is barely touching because the interest rate, interest is so high. It's like, 
sucks. And I'm like, I'm never going to get out of this hole I dug for myself. And so I was able to get to that 5% interest rate. And with with this method, with the personal loans, it actually gives you a, a definite payoff date. So it's like a three-year term. I don't know. It's, with a three-year term, so you, it gives you like a clear picture of like, hey, I'm going to be finished paying off this debt in three years, whereas, you know, the credit card, you just, you don't have like that time, you don't have like definite time frame. So I think, so that was, that was the first method I used and it was able to go from the 25% interest rate to 5% interest rate. And the next, the next method I used what is I took out, well, I still had, after that, I still had some credit card debt left over. So I went ahead and refinanced that by moving moving some of my credit cards from a zero percent balance transfer, and that was it. And that lord, you still have to pay like a, the origination fee, but if you calculate it, it made sense. Instead of paying like twenty five percent, and I go down to the zero percent interest for eighteen months. So in that way, I was able to knock off the rest of that credit card debt. And in little time, so I used both of those combined, both of those methods to to knock out like fifteen thousand dollars in debt within like three years. So that's one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, how is that debt payoff going? Like, have you paid off all that debt? And then, if you have, or you know, if you're working on it, what are some interesting ways that you have made some extra money to pay off that debt? I've paid off the the bulk of it. I've um, right now I think I have like twenty five hundred dollars left to pay off. The first time I started looking for all these side hustles, and the first thing that popped up, I was like, uh, it was like you can make earn money like with swag bucks. So that's the first thing I tried, and my friends were kind of laughing at me. It was like I was like, yeah, man, I just made a dollar taking this survey. It's like a dollar. What's, what's that gonna do? <laughs> So that was the first side hustle I did. And then I think they had like a promotion for Uber. And it was like, if you take this sign up for Uber, you'll get like $90 or whatever. And so I, I was like, man, I could become an Uber driver. <laughs> so at least I'm not making a dollar anymore. So that was that was really fun until like I started getting a lot of wear and tear on my car, my vehicle. And it was like a, sometimes I had to pay like $900 to get it fixed and things like that. And I was like, so, and then from there I did, I think, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Financial Panther, um, mm-hmm. the guy, yeah, he does all these side hustles. So I saw he had a couple of side hustles on his website called, one called We Go Look, where you go out and uh, take pictures uh, to verify, you know, the insurance for the insurance companies, the, for the, the car, if they have been like damaged or whatever, you go out and do that. So that was those. I started doing that, and I did a couple of those, and it was like twenty dollars a pop. From there, I was just like looking, if, what, what can I do? <laughs> and then I, I, was, I was at the same time I was writing on a blog, and uh, I was writing for somebody, and they were like, and I read same that time I didn't know that you get paid for freelance writing. I was like, oh, people will pay you for this stuff. I was just trying to get exposure, and I think uh, that's when I had an assignment for Business Insider, and. And he, I was like, I would I was just doing it for exposure. At the end, they was like, "Oh, we got, we can pay you for this." And that's when I started getting into the, the freelance writing part. So I've been doing a bunch of a ton of side hustles, and but now I kind of narrowed it down. I don't do swag bucks anymore. <laughs> I think I moved on from that. I think I'm starting to value my time more and just focusing in on the the freelance writing. I have fun building like a Twitter, uh, more like more active on Twitter than any other social media platform. And I had a company that reached out and wanted me to manage their Twitter f- page for them. For so I did that for almost a year, and that and I was like, oh, this is this is it's just me having fun. I didn't know people paid you to like market on Twitter, so I just found and like. And, and exploring, I just found a lot of side weird, side hustles that put my talents to use and make money. Before I didn't know that it was all in finding this community, and because my friends are like you have a bunch of they have a bunch of personal finance people that get together online, and he's like that's <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but it was, I all come from those opportunities. I all come from you know networking with people and plugging into like the choose fi and. Or you guys, or I listen to y'all show sometimes, get ideas. 
So obviously not all side hustles were created equal. Like you mentioned how horrible Swagbucks was making $1 <laughs> yeah. a half hour survey. I'd love if you could talk about the ones that have worked out though. I know you mentioned freelance writing or maybe you can just give, you can either give our listeners warnings of, hey, never do this one again like Swagbucks or say, hey, check this one out like freelance writing and maybe managing social media. Like which ones are some of their favorites and which ones are the worst? Well, the one that uh, that doesn't even pay a lot, but I, I like, I don't think I mentioned it before and earlier, but it's a uh, beta testing. So if you want to like, because one of my Achilles heels is like new technology. So if you want to get paid, you get to keep like some cool devices. And or if like, if you want to test out like some, it's like testing out apps and games and like new tech devices or whatever. So, and, and after you test them out, you get to keep, you get to keep the products, so yeah, I got to keep like some light, some smart light bulbs. I know I I, I love those, so I got to keep some of those. And that was that was one way I didn't have to you know spend money on it, and at the same time, you know, enjoy those things. But I, I think I'll stay away from the, the swag bucks because it's it's better use of your time. You know, you could you can I think it's better to spend more time, get more ROI, spending more time building up your valuable skills instead of like because you instead of getting a dollar here for an hour i think your time is worth way more than that so some of the other side hustles i've um i've enjoyed was managing a twitter page i really enjoyed that I really enjoyed like in engaging because i do that for fun with my own like platform i like ask questions and get people to engage with me and so that's that's really fun that's something i do for free but and then uh, the freelance writing part, I like to write, but and sometimes it, I, I love it, but it has some downsides too. It's not all sunshine and rainbows with the uh, freelance writing for stuff, because sometimes you get some boring assignments, or you get some assignments that you don't quite. You like, ah, what am I doing? I don't want to write about this, but at the same time, you're getting paid. You're using those skills, and the most important thing with those, I think, is just it all comes from back to networking because. I found some of those jobs that I that I got or the clients I got from joining mastermind groups. I know I joined uh, Holly's Earn More Writing Group, and she posted some leads in there. And and, and sometimes people just reached out to me on Twitter. They was like, "Oh, you want to write for our blog?" So that's part of the networking thing. It's like, "Hey, I heard you were looking for clients, and do you want to work with us?" And uh, I think I just had one recently. That I look forward to working with soon, like uh, FinCon, they reached out to me. And so I'm looking forward to writing with them. So a lot of these things you're talking about, you know, reminds me of some some things that I've, you've seen you talk about on your website before, which is, you know, kind of this power around networking. And as you build this network, like you're interacting more with people in the financial space, you're getting more like-minded people surrounding you. How do you think that has helped you kind of you know, maintain this course? Like, is it easy maybe to, if you have friends who didn't quite ever jump on the finance train to pull you back down and, you know, just how has networking played a part in keeping you on a good financial path? Oh, I think it, yeah, I definitely think it helps like keep you, like uh, encourage you to keep on going on your journey. Cause even when I get like uh, people to reach out and like, want to be on your podcast, you know, it's kind of, you get sometimes you get kind of kind of lonely and your friends don't under your, your closest friends don't understand they're like oh man you like why are you because I, I just like for example i just got this um cricket wireless plan and it's like 30 dollars a month and it was two gigabytes and my plan is like oh man that's crazy man. <laughs> i was like i'm trying to save money i'm trying to focus on knocking this last little bit of the debt off and that's why that's my plan and and so it definitely keeps you going to surround yourself with like-minded individuals to keep your, like a lot of people, they send me, like I, I reach out to them and I can ask them questions or whatever. If I don't quite understand, like, a, like as far as like the um, taxes for self-employed individuals, I can reach out to people who are CPAs and be like, oh, I don't quite understand this little, like, this part right here cannot is this deductible so i think it's, it's great to have a, a network of people you can reach out to if you need help or just to encourage you to, to stay on the journey or whatever because sometimes it gets kind of when life throws you those curveballs you get kind of you can get kind of down on yourself you're like oh man i'm just why am i doing this and you're like i just i just want to i think um cody wrote about this sometimes because it's like kind of like the the curse of pursuing five 
it's like, wish I didn't really know about this stuff. Cause it's like, <laughs> and some people were like, ah, that's, I tell them about the debt free. I was like, they were like, that's not even possible. I get down. They'd be like, debt free. What are you talking about? It's just like, you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. So it's kind of like, I'm like, ah, oh, that's depressing. <laughs> when I come to the, like the, the fire community and stuff, they're like, oh man, they're just killing and crushing it. They're like, oh, you can buy this strategy and get out there. And, you know, and, and people are like, uh, retiring at certain lung age and at the time that's, that's i mean that's kind of gets you down too I mean, if it, that can kind of if you're kind of comparing yourself to these people you kind of that can be like oh man i'm just uh, i'm hopeless but <laughs> i'm like at the same time i'm just 33 i got a long life ahead of me and i want to my one of my goals is to you know be debt free and and being around this community kind of keeps you encourage you to keep going on a path like even though life's gonna it's gonna throw you these curveballs and you know those unknown variables gonna hit you but it's just gonna encourage you to like stay stay on a path and just for example recently i just had a, a bill that was like a dental bill that came out was it's gonna be like eight thousand dollars i'm like oh man like i'm gonna uh, i was just on a close to paying off this debt but kind of caught me like got me down at first or whatever but then i realized i can apply some of these strategies that i've learned you know where it's, if it's negotiating trying to lower my bill or postponing some things and using some of my hsa to reimburse myself to you know to help lower the cost of the bill and when i, when I thought about that i was like oh, i can i think it yeah i was like oh, I, could, I could do this i did this before i paid off debt so it, it might you know Push me back as far as you know being debt free totally but i think i can i can manage it i just have to you know focus on finding more freelance clients or increasing my income here or lowering some stuff there that's that's why i decided to go with the the cricket plan that i'm on so to lower my expenses so i was like oh i got this i can i can just you know apply the things that i've i've learned from everybody in the fire community <laughs> All right, I just got to ask real quick, what the heck dental <laughs> procedure are you getting done for 8000 that's not covered at all by your insurance? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's the, the $2,000. They, they only, like, insurance, you only get $2,000. They only cover like $2,000 a year. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the bulk of it is like a, a, a bridge you have to get, like a replacement. And I think that's like $5,000 and. The rest of it is just like some general upkeep, like some like cavities and stuff. Like, but I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get a price quote. Like, a, that's one of the, I'm gonna like shop around, you know, see if uh, another dentist charges less. So before I was like, oh man, I got it's eight thousand dollars. <laughs> I was just about to finish, and I was like, oh man, I, I'm about to exhaust because I had some other medical things I had to pay for early in the year. And I was like, man, I had like five thousand dollars set set aside in my HSA, and now it's kind of you know gonna deplete it. But I'm like, if I didn't like have that set aside, then it'll be worse. I'd probably have to get take out another credit card and put it on there. So Jerry, one thing I'm noticing here is although there's obviously some things that aren't going exactly the way you'd want them to, you made some of those financial mistakes. You're still staying super positive through all of it. You're looking at hey. Things could be worse if I didn't have these lessons and you're seeing the bright side. But obviously, this has been a super tough year and a lot of people are out there struggling, you know, both mentally, financially, whatever it might be. I know you mentioned that for the past few months, you've been struggling a little bit with mental health. And I could and I'm just curious, you know, A, you know, how are you doing? First off, B, how is this community helping you through that, if at all? And I think it's just good to kind of shine some light on the subject and for just give you a second to open up about it if you want to. Yeah. Well, uh, for the past few months, I, I don't know. I just had like a little bit of depression and anxiety as far as, and I was like, like, like I would just try to do my work and like tune everything out. And it was a lot of things that, that are happening. It's kind of making adjustments at work. And, and it's like the things that I've done before that I used to visit New Orleans and go to concerts and things of that nature. And I can't do that anymore. And I think it was just at first I was just like because um, I, I like to be like I think of myself as a strong individual and I don't yeah, I don't need I can fix myself and I'll, I'll just read a bunch of like self-help or like middle like even like middle health uh, books and like uh, as a far as you know we, in the fire community we always talk about applying the growth mindset and sometimes uh, I was like I can just apply the growth mindset and just focus on that but sometimes I think 
even though I need I need help sometimes. And so like my girlfriend, she encouraged me to reach out to a, a therapist and I've been seeing her for a few months and I've been able to talk to my talk to her about my problems and open up about some things. And she was like uh, saying that I had um, a little bit of she had a little bit of depression and anxiety in me and I was having trouble adjusting to new situations or whatever. And so speaking with her has really helped me challenge some of those negative beliefs or negative mindsets because I got I was down on her. I was like, uh, I opened her up to her about like my dentist appointment and stuff of that nature. And she, I was like, yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about some of those things because it's your mouth. And I was like, uh, I, I was telling her I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable talking to my girlfriend about it or whatever. And be like, oh, well, I was like, why well, you aren't keeping up with your mouth or something like that. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like uh, growing up, it was like um, you, you want to see a therapist and you kind of look down on people is like see them as like weaker for as needing uh, professional help. But I think being vulnerable can be a, like a, a strength because like you're, you're admitting that you sometimes you need a little help. You need a little help. You, you can seek a professional and they can help you challenge the negative thinking and help you get get you back on track because I'm feeling uh, much better now. I still deal with it from time to time, but she's been able to give me some coping methods. She said whenever, like, for example, she's like whenever I've been able, like whenever you having those negative feelings to, to think about and make sure that you express gratitude for the things that are going right. Because I'm just I always focused on the things that, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. Or even with five, I'm like. Ah, I'm, I'm on this path, but haven't reached five yet. But she was like, "Are you? Are you having problems paying your bills?" She was like, "Are you like?" And, and she was like, "Point at she's good at. Sometimes you need the objective party to point out the things that you know that are going right." And she's like, "Uh, well, do you have do you have other clients and you know in this environment that some people don't have that they've lost their jobs and things of that nature." He's like, but you're actually doing the, the, the things that you're, and you're making steps towards your goal. You actually have a plan. So she, she's like, yeah, don't, don't get so down on yourself. He's like, he's like, ah, oh, I'm not, I'm 33. I'm not financially independent yet. She's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, but she's like, yeah, you're making, making steps. You're making, you know, set up a plan to, to become, get to you reach your goals. And as long as you keep following that, you think she thinks, she thinks I'll be okay. And I think so. Think so myself, and for anybody who's going through those issues, I mean, don't feel like you have to struggle alone. If you need help, get the get the help that you need, and don't feel bad about it. I mean, you know, like I think I posted about it you know, on Twitter, and a lot of people reached out, and they were like, uh, "I think you should." I, I was like, "I was like, I can do this by myself," and they were, they told me about like the they were like, "Yes, it, the most valuable thing is your mind, so you want to take care of that. That's one of your most valuable assets." from there and and they talk about their their journey a little bit or how it benefit how therapy benefited them so and putting that out there i was like oh uh, um well it's kind of like a kind of encouraged me to to seek a therapist and whereas i, I was like kind of arguing with my girlfriend i'm like nah i don't think i think i could do it by myself and i'm kind of like independent in that way and i was like uh and it, but eventually I um, reached out and it hadn't, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. And, and it's re- really been beneficial, I think, in helping me uh, get over some things. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that, man, because I think oftentimes this whole community just gets painted with this rose colored brush that nobody ever makes financial mistakes. No one ever has mental health problems. Everyone in the five community just crushing it or all these cyborgs where nothing ever goes wrong. But clearly that's not the case, even though most people don't talk about it. So really appreciate you sharing that, man. And one thing you mentioned there, we haven't really talked about it is, I mean, obviously we've talked about side hustling a bunch, but you have your own career going on. And then you talked about kind of just big picture goals. Like you're like, oh, I'm not five by 33 yet. But what does that long-term goal look like? Like, are you going to keep at your day job forever? Are you going to continue these side hustles? When are you trying to hit five? You trying to hit five the fastest way possible, or are you kind of taking the slow route and enjoying it? I'd love to just kind of hear your take on what the next five, ten, twenty years of your life looks like. At first, I wanted my goal was to like initially I want to I saw all these people that were hitting five, and I was like, man, I'm just gonna like do all these side hustles, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm hopefully gonna reach about forty, but. And taking that route, I kind of went on the extreme. I was doing all that, and at the time, like I wasn't 
I was like, as soon as I hit the five, I was got. I became obsessed. I was like, oh man. So I'm gonna do all these side hustles, and I'm gonna reach my number as soon as I can, as soon as humanly possible. And and then I had the girlfriend at the time. I was I started neglecting her or, or whatever, and I, I she was like, what are you doing? Like, uh, when are you gonna make time to see me? Because I was re- I was doing all these things. I was writing a blog. I was Ubering, and I was. You know, doing swag bucks or whatever. <laughs> and she was like, uh, so I noticed that you stopped spending time with me. And so I'm like, um, yeah, I'm trying to reach my goals and I'm trying to pay off this car as quickly as possible. And in the end, I ended up reaching, I ended up paying my car six months earlier than, than, I, than I originally intended to. But then it, it was like, she, she couldn't take it anymore. She's like, I got to go since you're not, you, you don't care about this relationship. He's like, you focus on your finances, which is commendable. But at the same time, you're going to have to you know, focus on me. So that's a, that's why I'm kind of like more slowly adopted. Like the I hear, I think the five years, they talk about it, the uh, the slow fire movement. So right now I'm kind of joining, joining that bandwagon. And, and it isn't, so I'm not so, I still want to be like five by at least like 55 or something. But I'm not, you know, in a rush to hit my, my numbers. So you know so quickly where the whereas i don't enjoy life because i was just like working and i was like oh, i gotta get to this numbers as quickly as possible and, and I'm, i was like i'm gonna cut out all the the fun stuff in my life like going out to concerts and enjoying going hanging out with my friends and i even contemplated like for extreme i was like man i could just go without a girlfriend for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> just to get my fine number, I was like, I was calculating like the, the opportunity cost of, of that. You know, we talk about the opportunity cost a lot in the uh, fire community, and like, oh man. But it, and then I was like, at what point I was like, I'm just gonna do that. Then I didn't, I didn't think about the value. So eventually, like, uh, I met someone recently, and so it's just like, oh man. So that kind of canceled that plan. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna focus on that plan. She's like, yeah, we can work on this together. So I was like, okay, so it's it's good to find somebody that, you know, you can have similar life goals and, and instead of like, you know, just totally abandoning that part of your life. <laughs> yeah. So it's kinda that was kind of the first like, oh man, we gotta get you some help for real now. I mean, you're kinda depressed. <laughs> well, Jerry, I'm so glad that you didn't invent the new version of Fi, uh, Lonesome Fi, because <laughs> I don't think that would have been a lot of fun ten years with no uh, no relationship. But if people were out there and, you know, they're really interested in more about your background, they're interested in following along with this this new revised plan you have for a file, like where's the best place for somebody to reach out and get in touch with you? Yeah, I think the best place to reach out to me is on Twitter. I'm uh, very active there. I think I'll just, I, I don't even get on my Instagram no more or any other, like Facebook. I don't promote that, but I'm on Twitter. My name is Peerless Money. All right, you can reach out to me on the blog. I still have the blog, Peerless Money Mentor. I haven't written there in a while, but I just use it. You can still reach get, reach out to me via email at peerlessmoneymentor at gmail.com. So there's, those are two ways to get in touch with me. Awesome, man. Yeah, definitely. If anyone here has been broke or knows someone is broke, check out the Broke to Financially Work series because you had some seriously awesome people on there, Jerry. And one question we like to ask all of our guests is, what is your number one tip for those people who are on their path to financial independence? My number one tip for those people who are on the path to financial independence is to find like a group that you can stay in connect contact with or have like similar goals. And for me, it's been, I talked about this earlier, but for me, it's been like communities to stay on this uh, path, uh, plugging into like a support network, having a supportive network has been instrumental in keeping me on this path. Like uh, if you want to plug into like, I think y'all have like a Facebook group or like some Facebook groups out there there for people who are trying to achieve financial independence and they can share their tips with you and encourage you when you're, when you're down or kind of challenge those limited beliefs out there. If somebody's like, you know, your friends are like, ah, that's not possible. And you could be like, here, this is proof. Like, I share their stories, or and, and it's just inspirational. It helps you like keep on going. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I could just apply this. I think um, choose a five. They have like the one thing you did to make it improve your life this week. And I think they're really helpful. Like, and they challenge you to, to become better and find ways to you know share. People share their tips, and sometimes you get like, oh, I can do this, or something, an idea that you haven't thought about, and to improve your life or or like to 
minimize your your, your spending or how to increase your like us may come across a side hustle idea to increase your income that you never thought about and for me and just hearing that and applying what the people that people i've learned from like even like uh cody i think he had early in the show the one show it was like um talking about the low-hanging fruits and so that's the one that i did i think i called my uh my internet company and got them to reduce my my bill and i, I got off the contract and it reduced it by like 30 dollars a month and so that saved me probably like 720 dollars over these past two years so. <laughs> sweet that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, Jerry, we almost have you out of here. There's just one last question we got to ask you because we can't let any guests get out of here without being asked the wild card question. So, you ready for this one? I'm ready. So, it sounded like when you really took hold of this idea of financial independence that you're ready to get really aggressive with it. You know, you're talking about going 10 years without a girlfriend, but I feel like there's probably some other things hidden in there that you either did or thought about doing. So, what is the craziest thing you actually did or thought about doing to save money when you started getting really into this idea of financial independence? One of the other crazy things I thought about doing was uh, going without air in this Louisiana heat. <laughs> and I thought about going, and so I was like, I think the one time it was like the air went out and I had roommates at the time and they were like, um, this guy's kind of crazy. <laughs> it was like, he's talking about going without air and it's like a hundred degrees outside. And I was like, yeah, like, Y'all just gotta, you know, y'all are spoiled. You don't need, you don't need air. Just, you gotta, so, like, we could just go without air and save money. And it was like, oh man, like, there's other ways you can save money. They were like, they thought I was really kind of crazy at that point. They were like, oh man, what's wrong with them? It's <laughs> like, we need, I need air. Oh, geez. <laughs> Anything for that dollar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Jerry, thank you again. I know we had met back at FinCon 2018 we were talking about before we hit record here. Time flies. So glad we could finally get you on the show, though. Share your incredible story. So, again, thank you for sharing your time with us today and hopefully inspiring some of our listeners, man. Uh, you're welcome, man. I had a fun time talking with you and uh, and Justin here. It's been a pleasure talking with you guys, man. And I, I look forward to definitely look forward to tuning in or, or seeing y'all if, you know, the world gets back to normal. We're seeing y'all at Think on 2021. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. <laughs> Love to see a success story where someone's mindset just gets completely 180. They go from this really closed mindset of, you know what, I'm never getting out of this. I'm just stuck. I'm hopeless in this situation to anything is possible. I can do whatever and the sky's the limit. What'd you think about the episode, Justin? Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting episode, Cody. And kind of what you're talking about where that origin of a closed mindset is what stuck out to me. You know, I know I could relate to that growing up in Mississippi in a small town. You just have this artificial ceiling placed over you where you don't think your potential is kind of capped at a certain place. And not necessarily even like capped as in you think, well, I can't get to this level. You just don't even know that level exists. And you could see that with Jerry, right? He's talking about that he didn't even realize that other people had it so much better than him or that, you know, he was in the place that he was. And I know later in the episode, he gets to talking about how important your network is. And I have to imagine that when he stumbles upon this financial independent space, that was one of the major moments that really helped him see, hey, there is a lot more out here. This is not where I'm capped. Like, I do have a ton of potential. One thing that really made me stop and think, because you hear this so much, it's like people are like, oh, just work harder or, you know, do this and, and that. It has nothing to do with your environment or whatever. It's just how hard you work. Like, that's what's going to make you successful. But when Jerry talks about where he grew up, like there are stores that are not going into these areas because they're so bad and stores are like, this isn't going to be profitable. We're going to get robbed, things like that. And it's just it's just this cycle that keeps going and going. Like there's no stores there, which means there's no jobs there. Crime just continues to go up and up and up. And you're just kind of trapped in this endless loop. And like you just said, Justin, if you're not surrounded by people who are doing things differently and what Jerry was calling it escape, that's what everyone was trying to do. They're just trying to escape these areas. They're trying to escape these areas stricken with poverty, with crime, with horrible job prospects. And it just really sucks. And I realized how fortunate I was to not be stuck in a situation like that, where I did see people around me who were successful. And I knew that it was possible to say, you know, make six figures or buy your own house. But to some people, these aren't even realities. These are just wild dreams that they can only hope of by hitting the lottery or something crazy like that. Another thing that I appreciated in Jerry's story is his talk about 
how he's become more open to the idea of like investing in his mental health and seeing a professional and taking that seriously and talking to others about how they should take it seriously. Because, you know, sometimes that is one of those areas. Mental health is one of those areas where the world can look at it and say, maybe especially males that they're soft for having to go do that. And I'm sure in Jerry's environment that he grew up in, that was even magnified. Normally in a tough area, those type of things are even more looked down upon than even the general public. And so for Jerry to be able to get out of his comfort zone, especially with, I'm sure, the way the way he saw others around him talk about people who maybe needed to go see a therapist, I, I just I think that's really powerful, especially that not only he was able to do it in his own life, but that he's being vulnerable enough to open up and talk to others about that. Hey, you know, take this seriously, invest in your mental health, especially in a year like 2020. And I mean, that's what FI is all about though, right? It's like just thinking a little bit differently, having a slightly different mindset than other people. And we saw this time and time again in Jerry's story. Like he has this massive pile of debt with a huge annual percentage rate APR. And he starts to look at creative ways to tackle that, like taking out a personal loan with a much lower interest rate or using those 0% balance transfer credit cards and paying the debt down without getting killed by the interest. And then he's going and trying all these different side hustles, figuring out which ones work, which ones don't work. He had done like social media management, freelance writing, taking pictures of the damaged vehicles and stuff. I know he had mentioned the beta testing, Uber. I mean, this guy is just trying things that are maybe a little bit out of his comfort zone, like you were saying, Justin, whether it was mental health or side hustling, like these are things that not your everyday average Joe or Jane is doing, but it's things that can kind of catapult you to that next level. It can get you that much closer to being debt free or that much closer to financial independence. And I think that was such a crucial part of Jerry's story and his whole turnaround was having the courage to do uncomfortable things and things that other people around him weren't doing. And now it's time for the call to action. The call to action this week, Cody, is all around one of those tools that Jerry used to really turn his life around, and that is networking. Obviously, we would love for everyone to come out and join our Facebook group. There's other financial Facebook groups out there as well that's maybe for a specific niche. There are organizations out there for specific professions. There's, you know, LinkedIn, obviously. There's, you know, websites like Meetup that offer all kinds of groups. And now people are getting really creative while still being able to have this community feel, even though they can't get together in person. So just get out there and expand that network because you often hear you are an average of the seven people you surround yourself with. So up that level of people that you're surrounding yourself with so that you can up your own level. Love that, man. I have definitely taken that one to heart and networking has played a huge role in my financial penance journey. So love that call to action, Justin. And if you guys enjoyed this episode and you want to check out everything that we talked about in written form on our show notes and hit up any links we talked about today, you can do that at thefyshow.com slash jerry. That's thefyshow.com slash jerry. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.